I was probably close to your guys' age. My family, uh, we, uh, my dad, like I said, is the was the minister at our church growing up, and we decided that we were going to go to the amazing Mexican restaurant called Taco Bell. Uh, oh, you guys have heard of it? Okay, I didn't know. If, you know. Uh, now, as time has gone on, I don't hold that same thing. But at this time, at my age, I was just like, "This is awesome!" All right. And so we're at Taco Bell, uh, and. Uh, we're sitting at our booth, and our booth is right next to the window when we see the parking lot, and 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 all of a sudden there's kind of a commotion going on in Taco Bell, and and we kind of look over, and and there's there's this lady there that she's trying to take other people's food from their table, like she's just like, hey, give me that taco, and they're like, I paid for it, go get your own, like they're they're fifty cents or they weren't fifty cents, they're a dollar, all right, I'm not that old. Uh, I'm not Brian's age. Uh, sorry, I had to get a birthday boy kind of thing in there. All right, sorry. I love you, Brian. Uh, uh, anyways, and so uh, we went in, and and she's trying to take the taco. Finally, the manager gets involved. It's like, hey, you're going to have to leave. You're bothering our customers. And, and then it turns into this big uproar, and she starts cursing and all this kind of stuff. And I mean, you just get everything. And we're just sitting there just eating our nachos like, wow, we got a dinner and a show. This is awesome, you know? Uh, and then all of a sudden she walks out of her car and her, we were right there by the window. So we see her get into her car and on the back of her car was a bumper sticker. You want to guess what it said? Honk if you love Jesus. All right. And so we're looking at that and my parents being the good parents that they are they decided hey we're going to take advantage of this opportunity and and they were always looking for those teaching moments and they're like hey we we're just aghast by this and we we're just like and that's why my dad said that's why if you say that you're going to be a christian and you make these claims then your actions your lifestyle should show that and and we need to be because people are always watching so we need to be careful of what we do and and how we say things and, and all this kind of stuff and it was a great teaching moment and then me being the astute uh preacher's kid that i am i said I, I just had to add something to dad's point was that's why we don't have bumper stickers on our cover right dad <laughs> and, and so that teaching moment just went uh, now listen i want to clarify my dad actually walked uh what he uh, talked right he he was a man of faith and that was a big reason why i gave my life to jesus was i saw the man that was in the pulpit was also the same man at home uh so but uh i just had to lighten the mood there at taco bell but it brings up a good point that our identity actually dictates your actions your priorities and 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 when your identity changes and where you're given more responsibility then there's more expected of you like we have a higher expectation of uh, someone in uh, first responder world or military. We expect them to act a certain way, right? We, we, we expect that what they do is going to, uh, that they're gonna come through with their expectations that we have of them. And so your identity dictates your actions, your priorities. So what is our identity? What is our identity? And we've kind of talked and kind of hit on this a little bit and kind of made this transition to talking about John 4 yesterday and what Jesus did and how he's actually has saved us. And there's a change of our identity, but we have to change our thinking as well. So how would you describe yourself? Who are you? Like when somebody says, who are you? Oftentimes, don't we use our, our position? Well, you know, I'm this 
rank in my family, like I'm the, first, the oldest or I'm the youngest or I'm the middle child, uh, or we use our performance, hey, I do this at school, I'm this in sports, or we use our possessions, oh, look, he has this or that, and, and, and we look at that, but when we strip all that away, then who are you? What is your true identity? You see, things, they explain you, but God is actually defines you, and that's why Satan immediately attacks that in Genesis 1. He says, hey, yeah, God got it all wrong. You need to make your own self. You need to find your own reality and, and come up with your own identity. He attacks God's credibility and then he at, puts out that uh, thing about, uh, about creating your own identity. And here's the reality. Is that scripturally, looking at the Bible, there's basically two categories. There's sinners and then there's saints. And you might be like, well, I, then I know where I fall. I'm, I'm definitely a sinner. I'm not a saint, right? We don't have, uh, you know, Saint Eric or Saint, you know, it's just like, that's one of those things. It, it, we have this warped concept of what a saint is. For non-Christians, it's very clear that you're a sinner. That is your title. That's who you are. That's your identity. Scripture is very clear with this, that if you haven't given your life to Jesus, if you haven't decided that you're going to go all in, then that is your identity. And so what that means is, is that what we talked about yesterday with the cross and of the horrors of all that Jesus went through, that's just a small taste of what waits sinners if they don't give their lives to Jesus for all eternity. You see, Jesus being an eternal being and coming, his, his sacrifice lasts for all eternity. That's why Jesus can, or God looks at us through Jesus. And he says, hey, what he did on that day, even though it was 2,000 years ago, it still applies to today because he was an eternal being. He was fully God and fully man. This is where Hebrews 10 actually talks about that. But if we say, you know what, that's great, I don't want it. I'm going to do my own thing. I don't, I'm not giving my life to Jesus. I'm going to do my own thing. Then scripture is very clear that hell is reserved for those that decide not to follow Jesus. That they decide they've, they've had so many years on earth and they finally decided, you know what? It's their time has come. Well, they didn't want to live with God on earth. Why are they going to want to live with him for all eternity? And so your choice gets solidified. And, and what the horror that we see just on the physical side of what happened to Jesus on the cross is a small taste of what awaits for all eternity. And that's why we should have this urgency to want to share with others. And we don't want to give, we don't want to pressure somebody like, hey, turn or burn type thing. We look at how God actually pursued us. He put himself in that place so we don't have to go through that. But... That's the identity of a sinner, and that's the destination of those that don't give their lives to Jesus and go all in. And sin is, a, is just consistent with their character. Here's the thing, though. Scripturally, you are at, when you give your life to Jesus, you go all in, you're actually a saint. 2,000, or 2,000, 200 times the Bible actually refers to Christians as saints, holy, righteous. In fact, Paul who was a Pharisee, and then he gave, uh, Jesus confronts him, and he then goes from a religious zealot killing Christians to all of a sudden giving his life to Jesus and, and, and proclaiming and writing the most books in the Bible and all that. His, his most common phrase for Christians as he would write to churches was saints. Saints. Now, if you called me a saint, I'd be like, 
I'm a little uncomfortable with that, right? But it's his favorite phrase. And it's the reason that it is, is that God, when he looks at us, he sees us in completion. He sees us on the day that we appear before him or when he comes back. He doesn't see us right here and now. It, it, he sees us as what we're going to be because of what Jesus has done for us. And this is super important. See, when we sin, it, it's inconsistent with our heart and desires and position as Christians. So, yes, we sin, but it's not coming from a place of sin. God, when God's, it, 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 here's another way of saying it, that sin may explain some of your activity, but it does not define your entire identity in Christ. You will sin some of the time, but you are a saint all the time in Christ. Sin is some of what you do, but not the totality of who you are in Christ. In Christ, there is a difference between having sin and being sin. Because you have a new identity as saint, you can have a new victory over sin in Christ. And as sinners, you have a past, but as a saint, you have a future in Christ. Uh, that, that Paul's like favorite phrase is actually to say in Christ. If you look at a lot of his phrases and he talks about the blessings and you start paying attention to when you're reading, a lot of it is phrased in, in Christ because it's through him that we get and receive all these blessings. And so as Christians, this is what separates us from all the other religions is that we're working from an identity, from our salvation, from our relationship, not for it. We don't have to earn it. Jesus did all that. We are just simply accepting it. And then we're given this new identity. And then we're, we're trying to live in obedience to the Holy Spirit and repent when we mess up. And, and he transforms us to becoming the saint that we will be when we stand before God. In fact, John uh, 17, uh, 19, Jesus said, And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth. You see, that was Jesus. He gave himself as a holy sacrifice and then so that we could be holy by the truth. So that's our identity. And it's secure. It's, it's done because of what Jesus did. And then Hebrews talks about, and this is an important concept that's going to come up later on, is that Jesus, once he did that and he got to heaven, what did he do when he got to heaven? Do you remember? You know? He sat down. All right. And Hebrews talks about that Jesus is our high priest. The high priest was one that he would, he, you would go to him and he'd be over there and you would confess your sins and then he would take the sacrifice and he'd make the sacrifice and say a prayer for you on behalf to God type thing. And, it, and, and he would just constantly be doing back and forth, back and forth. I mean, it was exhausting. It was just the, all right, you, you did this. Okay, then we'll slaughter this sheep and then we're going to lay the lamb and then we're gonna, I'll say the prayer. And it was this constant type thing. But our high priest, Jesus, he allows us direct access to God. And because his sacrifice was sufficient for all time, for all sins, he sat down, meaning that it's a done deal. There's no more work that needs to be done. He's sitting on the throne. He's not rushing around. It's not all of a sudden like, oh, I didn't expect that to happen. And so he has to rush and do things. Listen, this is your identity, and there's benefits of being in Christ. And I'm just, I'm going to fly through this part, okay? Here's just a few of them. Colossians 2.10 tells us that I am complete in him who is head over all, uh, 
all rule and authority. I am alive with Christ, Ephesians 2, 5. I am free from the law of sin and death, Romans 8, 2. I'm far from oppression and will live not live in fear, Isaiah 54, 14. I am born of God and the evil one does not touch me, 1 John 5, 18. I am holy and without blame before him in love, Ephesians 1, 4 and 1 Peter 1, 16. I have the mind of Christ, 1 Corinthians 2, 16. I have the peace of God that surpasses all understanding, Philippians 4, 7. The spirit of God who is greater than the enemy of the world lives in me, 1 John 4, 4. God supplies all my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus, of Philippians 4, 19. I am born again, spiritually transformed, renewed, and set apart for God's purpose, 1 Peter 1, 2, 3. I am a new creation in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Some of you became a new creation this week. I am God's workmanship. In Christ, I am dead to sin. My relationship to it is broken, and I'm alive to God. I am a joint heir with Christ. I have everything I need to live a godly life and am equipped to live a godly life. I am the light of the world. I am redeemed. I have been rescued. I, I am redeemed from the curse of sin. I am healed and whole in Jesus. Some of you received that last night. I am greatly loved by God. I am not ruled by fear because the Holy Spirit lives in me and gives me his power and love and self-control. And that's just a small part. There was like 44 things I could have gone through, but that's just a small part of what we have because of our identity in Christ. So if our identity directs our actions and we give such a huge identity, then what is expected? What should we be doing? And we see this in John 4. The woman at the well, she actually shows us exactly what should happen. All right, let's pick up John 4, uh, 25. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who's called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. And just then his disciples came back and they were shocked to find him talking to a woman. But none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her or why are you talking to her? The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village, telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus replied, I have a, a kind of food you know nothing about. And he said, did someone bring him food while we were gone? The disciples asked each other. Then Jesus explained, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me from the finishing his work. You know the saying, four months between planting and harvest. But I say, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. The harvesters are paid good wages and the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike. You know the saying, one plants and another harvests. And it's true. I sent you to harvest where you didn't plant. Others had already done the work. And now you will go. We get to gather the harvest. And here's the thing. Verse 39. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I did. And when they came out, even more believed. Here's what we see. This woman, she gets it. it instantly. In that instant, she leaves her jar 
right? She comes there wanting that water that just never satisfies, and she leaves with this living water. She has a new identity at that very moment. Everything has been washed clean, and she's new. And she immediately knows what the right response is, is to go and tell others about Jesus. Our identity directs our actions, and we have to be all in in order to make him known. That's our purpose. And here's the thing is that this Samaritan woman, the woman that was despised by all, gets it, while his disciples who were with Jesus, they missed it. It's an amazing thing. And here's what's going to happen. is that You're going to leave this place. Let's back up for just a minute. I want you to realize that God appointed this time. He knew you were coming here. And he knew what I was going to be speaking on. What he was guiding me to speak on. He's appointed and arranged everything. That's his sovereignty at play. He's orchestrated all these different things. And if you've been paying attention, he's pursuing you. He's talking to you. And we just have to be open enough and make that choice to go all in. That we will be open and hear and obey. And here, God appointed this time. He set it all up for him to counter this woman. And then she gets it and she goes back and tells everybody like, you got to come see this guy. This guy's amazing. He's told me everything. So some of them might have gone out to get the latest gossip. I mean, that could have been. But then once they interacted with Jesus, they're like, whoa, okay, there's something more here. And they put their faith in him. And there's going to be, when you go back, for some of you, people are going to see a difference. They're going to be like, there's something different there. Especially if you start like, hey, I'm not doing that anymore. Sorry. I'm, I'm good. I'm not, I, I'm not participating in that. I'm not going to do that. And then they're going to be like, what's different? What's the, something's changed. Because here's the reality of it. Is looking at scripture, you can't come in contact with Jesus and go back the same. It's impossible. Everybody, when they come to Jesus, there is a choice to be made, and you can't go back the same. You will either harden your heart or you'll, you'll, you'll be completely transformed. But you can't come in contact with Jesus and not change. This is why I love, and, and we see this over and over again. We tend to try to say, well, you know, I'll tell all my friends about Jesus after I get my degree. I got to go to Bible college and I need to go get my master's and then I need to get my doctorate. And then, and then I'll be able to give all these answers. And scripture, you know what the common evangelism was? Was just that after they encountered Jesus, they immediately told their friends. Immediately. I mean, it's just like. Anything that transforms us, that impacts us in such a way, we have to tell others about it. And that's exactly what happens with this woman. And this is why I love Acts. Just seeing these guys, I mean, they're constantly getting in trouble with the law and authorities because that they won't be quiet about Jesus. And in Philippians, or Acts 4.13, they're standing before the council, before all these people with their doctorates and theology, and, and these common fishermen are absolutely, it says, verse 13, the members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. But here's the big thing. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. Jesus changes everything. The more that we are in his presence, the more he changes us. 
the more and, and it's as we get his word in us, his word transforms us. And that's the difference. You don't need all the answers. You just need to be all in and know Jesus. And then you just tell everybody about Jesus. Hey, listen, this is what my life was like before. These are the wells I was chasing. And this is where I'm at now. Come, let me introduce you to him. It changes everything. Our identity as saints should then result in us telling everyone about Jesus. So who is that one person that's on your mind right now? This whole week that you've been kind of saying, man, I wish such such was here. Who's that one friend that you need to go back and say, hey, can I tell you about my week at camp? Can I just, like, I just need to share this with you. And that's what God, Jesus, calls us to. And whoever that name is, and I'm going to, I want you to really think about that. Who is it that I need to tell? I want you to tell your all-in friends that are around you, saying, hey, can you join me in prayer for this person? And you start praying for that person every day, praying for those opportunities, and going back, and your all-in friends, hey, did you have a talk yet with them? Did you share with them? Because time is of the essence. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 21 says it this way. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that he that we have all died to our old life. Our old life is done. And our identity is now wrapped up in Christ. And because he died, our old self died. He died for, it says verse 15, he died for everyone so that those who receive this new life will no longer live for themselves. And said they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. Once we realize all that Jesus accomplished on the cross, he becomes our everything. We go all in. Verse 16. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. Don't bring the old into the new. Verse 18, and all of this is a gift. It's a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. That is our task. That is our identity. God has done everything. It's a gift. We don't earn it. And he brought us back to himself through Christ by taking on our sin and dying in our place on the cross. And, the, and all that he does is that this is your new identity, and now your task is to bring others to me. For, verse 19. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So, we are Christ's ambassadors. Ambassadors. That... This is this whole concept that we are in a foreign nation, all right? This is when we have the embassies. The U.S. has embassies all around the world, and they have someone that's appointed as an ambassador. And they have the full authority and, and backing of the, the 
the head person, all right, the president and everything. They, they, they go on behalf of that. Well, we have a king that is over all the universe, all the whole galaxy and creation. His kingdom overrules everything, and we are his ambassadors. And he equips us with his same power. And he says uh, that, so we are Christ's ambassadors, and God is making his appeal through us. God is making his appeal to all your friends through you. And we speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to become sin, to be the offering for our sins so that he could be made right with God through Christ. It all is centered on the gospel. And the gospel changes everything. It changes our identity. It changes our placement. It changes our eternity. And it changes what we do. Our priorities. Listen, it's great whatever job you get. But you do it to honor Christ. At the end of the day, our job is to tell others to, about Christ. It's like following the woman on the well. Of saying, hey, come to Jesus. Come back. Making that plea, like that person, think about it. Uh, Michael kind of hit on in his in his message is, and I've heard this from a, an atheist even is is he kind of was scoffing at someone that evangelized to him type thing. But he said, "How much must you hate someone not to tell them about what you believe? If hell is real and that's what you believe, and you keep your mouth shut, how much must you absolutely hate that person?" So who's that one person? Who's that one person that you need to tell about Jesus? Saying, listen, I, this just completely transformed me. I, the, do you realize all that God done, has done for you through Jesus? You don't have to live this way anymore and you can come fully alive. And you could be so boldly, even in the face of all the ridicule and harm that may come your way, because of what we're even told in Matthew. Remember this? Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given some authority in heaven and on earth. Is that what he said? No. He said all. All. All authority in heaven and on earth. So... If he has all authority and we're his ambassadors, do we need to be afraid? No. We're acting in accordance to him. He's getting, he says, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, because I have all authority, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Nowhere in there does he say, hey, listen, I've been given all authority. I'm, it's just going to be unicorns and rainbows. You're going to be great. I mean, you, you're going to get your white picket fence and your two kids and the dog. And, and, and you're going to get the car that you wanted. And that life is just going to be awesome for you. No, he doesn't say that at all. He just says, listen, I am going to be with you always, always, even in the darkest times when we can't see him, we can't sense him. We're like, God, are you here? He's like, yeah, I said I would be with you always to the very end of the age. 
And so we can go boldly. We can, we can claim this new identity. And our new identity then directs our actions in telling others about him. And so who is that one person that you need to tell about? Another way of looking at this maybe is the adoption. Right? All, all of my kids are adopted. And there's something special that takes place there. Is that, that they had no really choice in the matter. I kind of, we kind of just chose them. And, and then we go through the process and then they take on our name. It's like, hey, you're now a jet. And this is how jets behave. This is what's expected of you. And, but you also need to know, no matter what, I love you. And I'm going to be your dad. And I'm going to take care of you. And I'm going to be right there with you as, and, and everything. And the same thing is what the, the Ephesians one talks about this that before we were even born, God knew that you were going to give your life to Jesus and He adopts you as His child through Jesus. And you now have His name and He gives you this great task and He's going to be with you always. I'm going to close with this. There's a beautiful story in, in Acts 7, all right? Just to bring it to. What's happening is uh, the church has been kind of growing, but they kind of forgot the once part that Jesus said, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and to the ends of the earth. All right. They had gotten the Jerusalem part got down pretty good, and they were getting pretty comfortable. And so uh, Jesus, uh, God actually allows some persecution, and it kind of spurs the church to kind of get out, I think. But it all starts with this man named Stephen. Uh, this crisis had arisen within the church of taking care of some people. And so Stephen was one that was appointed. And then the religious leaders, they're getting jealous and realizing what's happening. And so they're like, we got to squash this thing. And so they arrest Stephen and he gives this amazing testimony before the, the Sanhedrin, which was kind of like your PhDs of religious leaders. And, and, and at the end, he says something and they just go in full on rage. And so they take, drag him out, and they're going to stone him. Now, I'm talking taking stones and stone, not the stoning, all right? And, and, and they're, they're taking him out, and, uh, and this is the beautiful part that I just absolutely love. This is what happens when we go all in, and we claim our identity, and we, and we embrace it. And we take seriously the task laid before us. This is someone that is all in. Listen to this. The Jewish leaders were infuriated by Stephen's accusation. And they shook their fists at him in rage. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily into heaven and saw the glory of God. He saw Jesus standing. He saw Jesus standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. Remember what I said about Jesus when he got up to heaven? What did he do? Sat down because the work was done. Here's a man. He's about to die. And he looks up. And he's given a vision of seeing Jesus standing, getting up out of his throne. And getting a standing ovation. Because his servant, his boy, went all in. 
My question to you, as you leave here, what is that one person that you need to go tell? Because it's super important that you do so quickly. But looking at this, will your life bring Jesus to his feet? It will if you go 